0: And this is something that my mom told me when I was a kid. It's like, hey, this is our situation. These are the cards we're dealt, but you can still become whoever you want to become. You just have to work a little bit harder, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm here in this podcast with you, undocumented and everything, and it's a blessing to be here and to be able to share my story. It's also a choice of not letting your circumstances define you, but letting your vision pull you to what you want to achieve.
1: Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. Diego Corzo, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming.
0: What is up, Brandon? Super excited to be here in Maui.
1: Dude, all right. Thank you for coming out, by the way. So I know you Mm -hmm. as, I know you for a lot of things. I know that you came to the US. I know that you are well-known in the industry as somebody who's a voice uh, for a lot of people who have come to the US, especially the DACA. We'll get into that, uh, that whole thing. I know you're a real estate investor. I know a lot about you because we've been friends for years, but who were you before all that? Who was Diego Corzo?
0: Man, who was I? So I am basically an immigrant, right, as you said, that came up with a lot of issues coming here, transitioning from coming from Peru to the United States. Uh, I used to have a speech impediment Mm. uh, when I was a kid and uh, i grew up with the on the pursuit of the american dream i would say and with my parents being a great example for me on work ethic resourcefulness and it wasn't until later that i began meeting the right people in my life that then i was able to take action but at the end of the day it was just a hungry kid here in the united states that through a lot of obstacles found a way to make stuff happen and uh, to achieve the goals and the dreams that that I wanted, being in being in a country where I feel like if you have the right mindset and you pursue it with just that perseverance, anything is possible.
1: Mm. How old were you when you came to the U.S.? I was nine years old. Nine years old. What came do you remember from before then?
0: From Lima, Peru. Yeah. Man, uh, so I was in third grade. I remembered there were a couple of reasons why we moved here, but. Of course, we're very family oriented. So I remember every Sunday was hanging out with family, with my grandparents from both sides of the family, going to the beach during the holidays and uh, eating great Peruvian food. But. It wasn't until the things later that that as I began to be a little bit older, I got to see that Peru was not the safest place that my parents wanted us to grow mm-hmm. in. And uh, so my mom's car got stolen outside my aunt's house. My mom, in two different times, her purse got stolen while she was walking, one wow. with like a gunpoint and one with a knife. So it just wasn't a good for them. And then my dad also, he opened up a restaurant in Peru, but it wasn't successful and then he couldn't find a job. So we came here on on that pursuit for a better life, similar to the podcast here. A better life to the United States.
1: And what was the process for them to get here? Like, was that like they have to wait a number of years or how did that, how did they get here? What was that like?
0: Yeah. So we came with a tourist visa. Okay. So basically we had six months to stay here. And we came to the United States. When we came through USCIS and or the Department of Homeland Security stuff, we told them that we were here for vacation, okay, right? Yeah. And I remember we were in Peru. My brother was three. I was nine. And uh, they ask you, or like they can ask the kids, "Hey, what like what are you coming here for?" Oh, yeah, yeah. So I remember my mom telling my brother Gonzalo, he was three years old. It's like, hey, if they ask you stuff, nobody was crying, and you're and we're gonna go to Orlando and see Mickey Mouse, Mouse, right? (laughs) And so that's what, like, I remember those things, but thankfully they didn't ask us any questions. But I remember as we were coming here, we sold everything that we had, and we came here on a tourist visa and $8,000 and uh, to start a new life.
1: Wow. Wow, so talk me through a little bit of what your parents went through. I mean, you were kind of watching mm-hmm. from a young age, but what did they go through from, you know, they're here on a tourist visa, but they wanna make a life here. What was that mm. like? How'd they get through that?
0: Yeah, so what's interesting is that we came with a tourist visa, but with the already in mind that we were gonna stay, Yeah. right? And it's crazy because I'm 33 years old now, and at their age, imagine them. they were 32 at the time. Oh, wow, and I was yeah. like, imagine myself like at their age, deciding to go to a new country that I don't know anybody, other than some family members learn a new language, start from zero and not knowing if you're gonna see your friends or family from back in Peru. So for example, once we came here and we overstayed our visas, we became undocumented, right? And uh, my mom, for example, she wasn't able to see her, her dad for 24 years and I haven't been able to go back either in the 24 years of being in the States. But it's those things that they sacrificed a lot on their path of coming here and i bet you that they knew that they just didn't know how much that was going to be and and that's something that i always keep inside of me right to let them know that hey a lot of the stuff that i'm pursuing now it's to show them that their sacrifice was worth it mm. but they did have they did there were a lot of struggles and i remember my mom like she would cry and like in in the bathroom and i could hear her but i just know like a lot of the sacrifice that they did for us
1: what do you think that sacrifice did for you as a person today like what how much did that affect your personality and mm-hmm. uh, your ambition today
0: yeah that is that's a good question because i am w- also the oldest the oldest of the kids the oldest of of the grandchildren too there's nine of us and uh, so i was always like the example for everybody from that perspective and i was the first one to go to college graduate high school all of that stuff in the states so i feel like being like seeing them for me was the fact that, okay, they've gone through some struggles and it's up to me to show them that them being here, making those sacrifices, not seeing their parents and everything was worth it in in the long run. And they have been my big why. Mm. And always remembering that a lot of the sacrifices that they did, some of the sacrifices that I have to do, they're minuscule on the things that they had to go through.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good perspective sure. to remember is that like, most of the world has things much harder than we do. But growing up in America, we kind of get this, you know, I get this feeling sometimes like, oh, this is so hard. I mean, oh, my air conditioning didn't work today. You know, it's like, that's like difficulty. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, they had to sell everything they own and move across the, you know, across the world to a place they didn't know the language very well like that. There's so much more difficulty in life.
0: Yeah, and then when we moved here, we moved into my aunt's house. And so they were living in in their room, and then my family—my dad, my mom, and and my brother and I—we slept in a bunk bed. Mm. I didn't know that they were my aunt was house hacking yeah. back then, <laughs> and back in 1999 when we came here. But we had other family members in the house too, and I remember just like that's the way that we grew up in the beginning. And then my parents they they bought a van, and uh, we did It, it was for eight hundred dollars, and they didn't know when it was going to turn on, if the AC was going to work. And that they actually bought it with no seats in the back. So for like just a couple of days, we would be on the road, but just like in the back and until they had the money to buy the other seats. But that's how we started. Right. And my mom had to work in shifts, of course, being undocumented. Right. We knew we knew that it was going to be hard, but there was always a way to make it happen.
1: Yeah. Well, I want, I want to get obviously into you know the real estate investing a little mm-hmm. bit and how you built a portfolio and became a millionaire and that whole thing. But before we get there, I think it's probably a good time to talk about the the, the dreamers yes uh, kind of situation. I'd love to know your take on that yeah. uh, as well as maybe we'll fast forward. Let's start there on what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that an issue today? What's happening because of it? And then we'll kind of get into like how you became kind of a voice for it.
0: Yes, yes. So DACA, DACA stands okay. for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. And uh, it basically started, so we are what Congress calls the dreamers too. So I'm a dreamer and there's around 800,000, six to 800,000 people in, in the DACA program. But a lot of us, Uh, we didn't know that we were undocumented. Like I heard when I was a kid that I was undocumented, but it didn't hit me until I was 15 years old when I went to get my driver's license. And that was the first obstacle as a kid that I was like, oh my gosh, my life is gonna be a little bit Mm. different. And uh, then my American friends, right? And so we grew up with some obstacles in our in our lives. So at 15, found that I couldn't I couldn't drive. At 18, as I was graduating high school, find out that I couldn't uh, get student loans, financial aid. I want scholarships, but if but if you have to say that you have a green card or that you're a citizen, I can't apply. And some that I won, they got taken back. Mm-hmm. So it was like those challenges. But basically, without the DACA program, I wouldn't have been able to work or drive here in the United States. And the DACA program was instituted by an executive order by the Obama administration. Okay. And so I had a lot of challenges until I was 22 years old when that program finally was put in place. So I couldn't work or drive legally in the U.S. until that time.
1: So the DACA program that they put in place basically is a path toward you being able to live a normal life because you were brought here by parents, yes. not like, yeah, okay.
0: It's a Band-Aid because they sure. know that we are here undocumented and they don't want us, they don't want to deport us yep. because I feel like no matter what, it will be a disservice, right? Of me coming here, graduating 30 in my high school class, yeah. going to college and then going thrown out to a country that I don't even remember. And then me taking a lot of the knowledge that I have here instead of, and the taxpayers, right? They also pay taxes uh, for me to go to school. So it's a disservice for me to get deported to Peru, help that country where I grew up here and I wanna help this country, right? By paying taxes, whatever, right? Creating jobs, everything that I'm doing now. So that basically was a path for us to be able to work and drive while Congress does its thing, which has taken over eleven years now to find a solution to put us into a path to become Americans. Right now there is no path for us to get in line.
1: Still there's still, no
0: path. Yeah, really? Still. Yes. Really? Yeah.
1: Now a couple of years ago, I know you did some public stuff. You went to Capitol Hill, right? You did mm-hmm. some like where did that come about and why was that needed? Was there, was the DACA program going away? Was like what was was the story there?
0: Yeah. So so the DACA program was created in 2012. And then in 2016, 2017, when the Trump administration comes into power, they decided, he ran his campaign to terminate DACA, Mm. right? So in 2017, he tries to do that. They rescinded it. And uh, Jeff Sessions said that DACA denied jobs for hundreds of thousands of Americans by allowing those same jobs to go to illegal aliens. Mm. Word for word, I remember it because I was like, that is not true. Everything that I have accomplished until then was because of my work ethic, because of everything that I put into into place, being able to get whatever jobs I got it, whether it was with General Motors, the internships, the company that I have as a realtor. And by then I also owned eight properties and I was 27. So I took pictures of the taxes that I paid in 27, 2016 of over $28,000, and I remember calling my mom, and I was like, okay, this is not fair. I wanna go public with my story on social media to let them know that, hey, I am, I am one of those dreamers that they're saying that I'm selling jobs, but just know that once it gets taken away, it's putting me in danger. And because usually the dreamers have parents that are undocumented too. So this means that you're gonna be, you can potentially be in danger too. And she goes, well, you have to do what's right. So I shared my story on social media with a picture of the taxes and that went viral. Mm. So it got me on Fox News Austin that weekend. And then I got the call from an organization to, that they wanted to invite me to speak with congressmen from both sides of the aisle to go to washington dc and share my story with them and since then i've been featured on forbes cnn money a few other stuff and and uh, i've been to dc a few times already giving speeches stuff like that and then i was invited to the white house earlier this this year too so that was an epic epic experience but it's been those of like me not knowing what was going to happen but i needed to be a voice and instead of seeing myself as a victim from that perspective, I'm like, oh my gosh, why me? I'm gonna get deported. I was like, how can I be empowered from this perspective and do what I need to do to make things right, whatever that is, and be a voice for the 800,000 DACA recipients that we have
1: today. Yeah. What is the answer to the DACA situation right now? I mean, what do you think the answer is? Yeah,
0: the answer is for Congress to work together, which is really hard to Mm -hmm. get them to work together because I met with both. I met with the senators, I met with congressmen, and that, uh, it, but it has to be a bipartisan law that gets put in place so that we can have a path. And I'm a, for me, I'm like, look, if they wanna tax us, like every year you pay $5,000 for the rest of your life while you're here, I, do, I don't know, I think it has to be something that we can also give more to this country, but there has to be a solution. There has to be a solution for sure. And right now, whether whatever precedent it's in place, it's a very hot topic because of immigration, the wall, and so many different things. But my hopes is that something will happen soon. We just don't know when that will be.
1: What advice do you have for people that are listening to this that are in a similar spot? Maybe they're DACA kids or mm-hmm. you know grownups now. Yeah. Uh, maybe they are just you know they moved to the U.S. Maybe maybe totally legally and maybe they're here normal, but they're struggling and they're trying to climb. Into American society, like yeah. you have, like how, what advice do you have for those people? I would say don't be a victim to
0: our problems, and I will call it our because I'm in that vote too, yeah. right? So I will say don't become a victim. There's always a way in this country, and this is something that my mom told me when I was a kid. It's like, hey, this is our situation. These are the cards we're dealt, but you can still become whoever you want to become. You just have to work a little bit harder. There might be a few yeah. obstacles, but you can make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm here. S- in this podcast with you undocumented and everything and it's a blessing to be here and to be able to share my story i feel like there's always a way for those people that are willing to have that extra thing of resourcefulness that extra perseverance it's also a choice i would say it's also a choice of not letting your circumstances define you but letting your vision pull you to what you want to achieve that's
1: beautiful man well hey, I want to get into then your story of how yeah. you did climb to where you are today. But before we get there, uh, one thing we do on this show that's kind of unique is hundred of the uh, the royal uh, what do you call it? 100% of the ad revenue, that's the mm-hmm. word I'm looking for goes directly toward a charity of the guest choosing. So where should we dedicate the money from this episode to go toward?
0: Yes, this one is great. This one's going to immigrants rising. okay. immigrants rising is a charity that helps immigrants, whether they're documented or undocumented on entrepreneurship. And it also creates to give them financial education. And for people that need to renew their DACA documents, it helps them too. Because I've been super blessed that 500 bucks may not be much now, but I know people that they do have, like, they have to save $50 a month to be able to get to this. And if there's an organization that can help them, why not?
1: That's beautiful, man. All right. Well, with that said, This week's show sponsor is actually the Better Life Real Estate Funding Company that I started. It's called Better Life Ref, or Real Estate Funding. Uh, And we are a real estate funding company or mortgage company that's specifically aimed toward real estate investors. Like, that's all we serve is real estate investors. I'm a real estate investor. I started this thing because I'm like, it is really hard to get loans as a real estate investor because most loan officers do not understand what we're trying to do. So whether you're looking for a harmony loan to fix and flip something, you wanna do a BRRRR strategy, maybe it's the initial purchase or the refinance, maybe you wanna buy just a conventional long-term mortgage on one of your rental properties or you need to refinance one, we can help you. Just go to betterliferef.com. That's better, W-W-W dot better ref, R-E-F dot com. Fill out the simple form there and we would love to chat with you. All right, Diego. So you're, you know, mid-teens. You realize you can't get a job. Can't, you know, you can't drive. Like, how do you, how do you survive? How do you function? How do you get into this world as a, as a budding adult yeah. when you can't do any of those things?
0: Yeah. So I would say that me being in technology and with tech and everything, my best friend is the search engine at Google. Mm. So anytime that I was facing an obstacle, whatever, okay, there has to be a way to make it happen. And uh, when I got to college. I've got an internship working for free because there's like work to learn. I'm I'm a big believer that there's like you can get so much just by experiencing things. And uh, so I work for free. And then they tell me, Diego, we want to hire you because you've done more work as a freshman. than some some seniors doing a year. I go, great. This is my opportunity to pay for college. And turns out that when I call my mom to get my work authorization, she's like, you don't have it. We don't have work authorization here. And I was like, crap. And so I'm 19 years old by then and I'm like, I cannot work, I cannot drive, can't get student loans. And I Googled, I began to Google stuff and I found out that as an undocumented immigrant, if I create my own LLC, I can get paid as a contractor, as the LLC, not as Diego Corzo, Mm. right? But the government, they're still gonna get their taxes, right, at the end of the day, they're getting it as as a contractor, not as an employee. So I created my company, and I began working as a contractor for small businesses, nonprofits. And that's what I was able to do to pay for college. Now, yeah. other things that I did to get creative is I took a couple of classes, and the teachers were like, if you know the answers to these questions, these 20 questions, you will get an A in the exam. There were 200 students. So I was like, okay, I got the questions. I got an A. I set the curve. And then by exam number two, I told everybody, guys, I set this. I set the curve, I have the study guide, I'll sell it to you guys for $5. So I got to get resourceful. So I began selling study guides for some of my classes so that I could pay for the other classes. And then I, through my nonprofit, through, through the nonprofit that offered me a job, I also asked them to create a scholarship that I would win technically, and that that could go through FSU and FSU can give me that scholarship. Mm. And then working as a contractor. Right, But but that that was the way I had to get creative. And fortunately, I had the people that wanted to help me because they knew that I could provide a service and they knew that I could do it. So it wasn't, oh, I cannot do it, it's how can I do it? How can we do it? And when you ask yourself those questions, mm. at the end of the day is power of questions, right? Uh, how can I do this? You begin to look for options rather than saying, oh, I can't. Yeah and i feel like for immigrants too just asking yourself those questions and this goes for anybody you would see that you can have find solutions that you didn't think of it especially if you take a hundred percent responsibility for your situation whether it's whether your situation is fair unfair it doesn't matter you just have to take a hundred percent responsibility and be like okay what is next so at that point again i couldn't drive so every job opposite Every job opportunity that I got, my bike was my mode of transportation. <laughs> so imagine I'm in a jacket, suit, stuff like that with my hair done. There were times that I would put a, a suit in my backpack, ride my bike for five miles, six miles, whatever, dry off with a towel outside and then put on my suit, have my meeting and then change back into my sweaty gym clothes and ride back home. Right. So that was a lot of the stuff. But and it was in Florida. So it was hot. <laughs> it was hot. But yeah, that's how I was was able to pay for college. And then that's when I graduated. Obama passes the DACA program right as I was graduating. And there were two things that happened. My buddy Pascal throws me this book, when I was 21 and it's a rich that poor, that book. Mm. And he's like, this book is great, read it. So I read it and I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. It changes my mindset. It changes a lot of the things that I wanted to do in the future because it taught me, right? There's two things that that book teaches you that you can either trade your time for money or you can make your money work for you. After I read that book, I was like, okay, I'm going to build wealth in this country. Before that, I didn't know that much, but I knew that then was possible. Despite my situation, that didn't matter. I just knew that it was possible by investing in real estate. And I set a goal to have 10 properties by age 35. I was able to accomplish that much sooner, but it's those things that made it happen and got me into, into that start of the education route to invest in real estate in the future
1: why did real estate stand out to you at that point you know and i ask this because a lot of people read rich dad poor dad and like mm-hmm. that book got me into stock investing it was so good and i'm like that got me into real estate because it's not a real estate book and it's not mm-hmm. a stock book so something about you drew you to real estate what was that
0: yes it was that it was tangible it was something that i could see it was something that I, that my parents were renters or they lived in a house, right? So it's something that everybody, no matter what, they're gonna need one. Yeah. And that, and I feel like that was one of those things that later as I began to read more into real estate, I got into some like other stuff of like learning, like wholesaling, I didn't know what anything was. And then that's how I was able to find BP that later got me into, into all of this, but just asking questions and finding Finding questions that I that I had and that came from the forums and stuff like that. But it was something that I knew was tangible and that could give me passive income.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Do you think real estate's good for everybody? Like do you think you were just I mean, you're a smart guy. You did well mm-hmm. in school. Is that why real estate works for you, or do you think it can work for anybody?
0: Real estate can work for anybody. That's that's what's great. Like I bought a house at age 23 without any papers, like without anything, I had to make it happen. But it's something that you, can, that you do not need to have a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan or anything. You just need to go out there and have conversations. But it's something that if you're here in America, you're either renting or you own something. Yeah. Might as well not pay rent, might as well own. Right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will tell me, Diego, but it's risky. What if my tenant doesn't pay? I ask them this question all the time. I'm like, hey, tell me, when was the last time? F- okay, so first I asked them, how long have you been renting? Like five years, six years. Great. When was the last time that you didn't pay rent for a month? <laughs> they're like, I don't. Like, like I, that has never happened. It's like, great. Exactly. That, exactly. Yeah. That's why if you buy real estate, this will happen. Now, of course, there's gonna be issues here or there, but more than likely they're going to pay just like you're paying rent. They're like, yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How'd you buy, let's go back to, you said at age 23, you bought a house with really no papers. Like, I mean, what? like, how did you do that?
0: Yeah. So I was trying to house hack. So this is in 2013. By this time I was listening to the podcast too with you and Josh. I was gaining a lot of knowledge and I wanted to house hack, but as I was going through this, I was under contract, and I had a lot of lenders that told me, Diego, we don't know what DACA is, because this is in 2013. DACA, I got my papers in 2013 with DACA, so they had no idea. They're like, you don't have credit? How are you here? We don't know how DACA is going to be in two years. This is per- This is just a temporary thing. And uh, so I was under contract, and a week before closing, they told me, Diego, we need to see your green card. And I was like, I told you I don't have one from the beginning. They're like, Diego, well then you can't get a loan. So I remember I called my dad and I told him, hey, like this is what's happening. I had my goal, but this is another freaking obstacle. And by, by then I'm like, okay, how many more obstacles do I need like are coming my way? And, uh, but then my dad told me, hey, why don't we just partner up How much money do you have saved? I had $25,000 at at that time saved. And my dad had another 25. So again, we call my buddy, Pascal. He's helped me a few times. And I'm like, Pascal, we need some more. Can you lend us money? Because we wanna buy a house in Florida for 60,000. Imagine that. This is 2013. And uh, we buy that property cash and we rent out the main house for 900 bucks and we turned the garage into an efficiency, mm. a studio and got 400 bucks. So if that's like more than the 2% rule yeah. from that perspective. And that's how I had to buy it. But it turned out that by me not being, a, I think that everything happens for a reason. And in me wanting to buy this house with a realtor in Austin, Texas, cause I had already, I had already moved there. We couldn't buy the house and I felt bad. I ended up buying the other house in Florida, but I told that realtor, I'm like, Victor, I feel bad that I wasted your time, but I'm pretty good with technology. How can I help you? So we became friends because I helped him out with some Excel stuff. And then I wanted to shadow him because I saw that being a realtor might be something that I could do because if I cannot buy homes right now, or if it was gonna be really hard, I can at least get education. Yeah, And uh, so I shadowed him, drive him. I drove him in his car for free for a couple of weekends. And then I was like, I can do this. And that was also the way into me investing and getting my realtor's license, which now I'm a realtor in Austin, Texas. But again, it's those opportunities of figuring out a way and then the right people coming into my life that are able to help me make it happen. Because I don't think that on my journey to becoming financially free or a millionaire, something that I didn't just do by myself. I don't think that anybody's self-made. There's always a who that can help you get there faster.
1: Well, speaking of that, I know one of the k- groups you connected with early on in that journey was GoBundance, the guys mm-hmm. from GoBundance, David Osborne and others. Can you walk me through, how did that how'd that come about? how did you meet them? How did you get connected with GoBundance even before yes. you were a millionaire, which is a group for millionaires? So I don't yes. know, how, how did that whole thing come about?
0: Yes, that was, that was crazy because... I wouldn't be where I am today without them. They were the one key that they showed me what was possible. And it happened because I was listening to a podcast while I was working at GM on being a realtor. I knew that I'm not the kind of person that likes to waste time. So I don't watch TV as much or and I'm always listening to content podcasts. And uh, so one of them was Pat Hyben getting interviewed and he mentioned the podcast, um, he mentioned being, being in a mastermind, how a mastermind can help you, right? And I read the book, Think and Grow Rich, and I think chapter seven or chapter 11 is the power of the mastermind. So I remember that being connected with other people, like-minded, can change the trajectory of your life. So I reached out to him on Twitter. I sent him a random tweet. I asked him too hey, I just heard about GoBundance, I even misspelled it. I went back to see it, I'm like, oh my <laughs> gosh. I mentioned like Nundance or something like that. And I was like, what is this? I would like to learn more. And he mentions it's a mastermind for millionaires that talk about age-defined health, contribution, financial freedom, and all this other stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want in. And I was 23 years old. <laughs> and so I reach out on their website, I submit a form, and in between that time too, every time that Pat Hyven had a podcast, because he used to be the, the host of Real Estate Rockstars, mm-hmm. I thanked him on Twitter. And I was like, this is what I learned, thank you so much. This is what I learned, thank you so much. So I reach out, I have, I'm have i on a conversation with a guy named Tim Rode. I had no idea who these people are, by the <laughs> way, at that time. And uh, so Tim calls me and he's like, Diego, tell me a little bit about yourself, because we see your form here and like you're nowhere close to being a millionaire. And I'm like, well, no, but this is a little bit of my story. I'm working at GM, I own a property by that time. And, but I believe that you have to surround yourself with like-minded people. I quoted Jim Rohn, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And he's like, okay, let me see what I can do. So he calls me two weeks later and he's like, Diego, there's an event for Go Abundance at David Osborne's house. I have no idea who this guy is, in Steamboat, Colorado. And it's gonna be you and 12 millionaires. Are you, are you down? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I said, yes, put it on a credit card. The problem was that he never told them that I wasn't a millionaire. He didn't (laughs) tell anybody. And so when we got to the introductions, we had to say, how are you here? Who was your connection? What your net worth was and what do you do? So everybody's going. And at that point, Osborne, who you've had on your show, at that point, he was worth 40 million, some other people like 5 million, 10 million. When they come to me, I'm like, my name is Diego. I'm 23 years old. I have two houses, I am a realtor part-time, and my net worth is $25,000. <laughs> and they were like, they laughed, and they're like, who let this kid in? Like, why are you here? And I was like, well, because of Twitter. And they're like, I was like the most millennial, like tech dude to be like, so you got here from Twitter, because I didn't know anybody else. And after that weekend though, they told me, they pulled me out to the side, and they're like, Diego, Go Abundance is for millionaires, but we wanna help you out, we love your story, we would love to mentor you and you can be our first apprentice. I also told them that I could help them with anything with technology. So it was like, I was giving them value, they were yeah. giving me value and, uh, and it went from there. And I, what was crazy is I turned 24 years old at that event and I told them, guys, today's my birthday and my life after this will never be the same. And two weeks later, I was flying in David Osborne's private plane. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And he was picking up his friends. And I told him, I was like, guys, this is crazy. Until 22, I was riding my bike. (laughs) A year later, I'm on a private plane. So I just took action on everything that those guys have taught me. I began just anything that they will tell me to do, I did. Go to a Tony Robbins event, I did. Go to this event, take a speaking class, because I had a big speech impediment before that. I took that. So they would see me, they will always see me. And they were like, okay. Then what happened was I had guys that would come to me and was like, Diego, everybody says you have an amazing story, tell me. So that was my end with those guys and taking action. Because if you find mentors and you don't take action, you're just wasting their time and they will not wanna continue helping you in the future. So, but if you do, they will help you more and more and more. And I believe that by me surrounding myself with millionaires is at the standard of how I wanted to live my life in the future. And without the standard, and that's why your peer group is so important, it just set a standard that I had already become a millionaire inside, in my heart, in my mind. I just needed the money to show up with time. But I believe that first you have to become that person that is a millionaire, and then you get it through
1: time. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. You know, one thing that stands out to me, a couple of things, I'll go back to the beginning of that story, is you mentioned uh, on Twitter, you mm-hmm. would respond every time like, hey, here's what I learned from this. And it, and it relates to what you just said about is like no mentor, whether official or not, wants to waste their time helping somebody who's not going to take action, right? So here you are over and over and over saying, hey, I'm doing this thing and I'm active and I'm listening and I'm not trying to get anything out of it other than just build a connection with it. What's shocking is how few people do that. Like, I think that people assume that everybody's like that, and so then they're not going to try. There's a famous story in the Four Hour Work Week where Tim Ferriss is teaching a class at some college, I don't know Stanford or something like that, and he tells everyone, "Hey, you can win some whatever contest uh, that I'm doing here. You just got to, it was like, connect with one famous person, and like the next day come back and like nobody had done it, not a single one, because." Like, they all assumed that they were going to lose because everyone else was going to do it. And the fact is, just nobody does anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, the next year, he told that story of how, you know, of what happened the previous year. And then, like, all the kids did it. Like, they had, no, every, everyone went out and connected with somebody famous. Mm-hmm. And so, it just sh- shows you mentally, most people, the bar is very low yes to stand out. And so, I say that to people listening, so you understand, like, if you want to connect with influential people, and I'm not talking about podcasters and, like, you know, whatever, like, actual influ- influential people in your life who can help you, people who are going to be good mentors, local real estate investors, local business owners, whatever that is, just show up and be earnest and then don't go away. And mm-hmm. you will stand out above 99.9% of people just by being there for more than two weeks in a row. <laughs> like, exactly. you're instantly there. Like, how do you feel? How many, I mean, you guys, we go to real estate clubs all the time and like people show up once. Yeah, I like you say this a lot, actually. The bar is so low. The bar is so low. I <laughs> always say, like, for mentors or people you want people to invest in you, I'm like, be a good investment. Yeah. And what do I want out of my investments? I want it to be reliable. Yeah. I want it to produce a reasonable return. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's surprisingly easy to do that. It's yeah. surprisingly easy to do that. Yeah.
0: Like, if they will tell me to read a book, I would then record a video afterwards. Right, because a yeah. video is people pay attention. Yep. And so I would record a video and be like, hey, thank you so much for recommending this book. These are the three things that I learned and I'm going to implement.
1: Dude, I love that. I, I love that. It's simple. I love It's so it's simple. simple. Yes. I mean, nothing very few things make my day as much as somebody telling me they read a book I recommended and loved it mm-hmm. like I for, there's something it's, it's an ego thing for sure but it's also like a recognition that like I helped somebody and they got something out of it you know like I'm like yeah that, w- that was my suggestion like I love when people are like hey I just read this book whatever that you told me to read and it was awesome I'm like yeah it was yes because I got good taste you know like that's it's, exactly it, it feels so good and then I like that person more because they did something like that. that's yes. so good man. is I it also that. like how many people you recommend books and then they don't read it so, so it's the same thing yeah, it's like exactly oh, the one percent of people that read it you're that's like oh, probably that's what that's is. a go-getter it's probably one percent of people read the books that i recommend yes uh and
0: and then one percent will thank you like that yeah but this is going to get them to like now if he asks you a question you're more than likely gonna say yes. Correct, 100%. Anyway, right? Yep. And people might say, yeah, but I'm not good on camera. Here's a yeah. hack. The Facebook video is only 15 seconds. Yeah. So you cannot blab, it can be 15 <laughs> seconds and that's it. You that can loves. do anything for 15 yeah. seconds. So those are little hacks that we yeah. that can do and people actually wanna help you more and then just be of value, right? Yeah. A lot of people think that, oh, I have to be a millionaire. Like, how can I provide value to GoBundance to a group of millionaires where, they can hire anybody that they really want and then they can buy anything that they really want. I was like telling them like, hey, my time, right? Yeah. You can borrow my time. Yep. And I did certain things, and I'll share this because I remember, so I'm member 33 in GoBundance. There's like freaking over a thousand members now. Yeah. And I remember Pat Hyven was like, hey, who do you know, Diego, that can be part of this group? And in my head, I'm like, shoot, sure, you guys are the only millionaires that I know, but, there's this guy that I hear on a podcast. His name is Brandon Turner, and I send you, <laughs> uh, I send you, I randomly send you a message yeah. back in 2015 or I something. Remember. And I was like, "Hey, I know you don't have no idea who I am, but this is this group." I forgot and, that was you. Yeah, right? I was like, "This is this group. It might help you in the future, but that's the only way, right?" And then I just provided as much value. And another thing that they wanted, they needed help with people like getting introduced once they join Go Abundance. I was like, guys how about I do the introduction for anybody that joins GoBundance, I'll introdu- I'll write the caption for the Facebook group. So that was, then they were like, oh my gosh, this is great. For me, it's like, I get to talk to millionaires every single week mm-hmm. and I get to ask them questions because <laughs> I have like five, 10 questions to ask them, but then I can go deeper if I wanted to. So that was another hack that I had, like I, I gave value to them, but then I also was like, okay, this is the thing, this is the thing. And I remember I even did the, the intro call for you i remember i was so nervous (laughs) i was so nervous that i had just done a couple of calls in my office and i was so nervous that i for this one i had to take it in my car so that nobody (laughs) will listen i had no distractions and i was like oh my gosh okay i'm gonna do it i have this number and i remember calling you and i was like oh my (laughs) gosh brandon this is diego with go abundance and i was like yeah but now we're here
1: dude that i love that story i had not I didn't realize all those picture like that that whole picture uh, yes. until just now. So yes. very cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, Abundance was I mean is I'm still a member of it. It's it's amazing in a number of ways. I mean, a couple of things. One, uh, I met David Green through GoAbundance. Mm-hmm. Like David Green was a member, um, got connected with me. I ended up becoming a, my co-host on the Bigger Pockets podcast for years. David and I are still. Like best friends, he we were hanging out the last two nights in a row at local restaurants here in Maui. He's visiting right now. Yeah, that came through abundance. And I remember one time, and I've told the story before, but I'll say it now: is that one time on stage, David Osborne said he's raising a hundred million dollars. My mind was blown that a human, that a normal human, not a Wall Street thing, could raise a hundred million dollars. And I was just like, that's so ridiculous that that's a thing. Because I mean, I was struggling to raise like a hundred grand, like for a real for a you know house flip or whatever. And like a year later, I raised a hundred million dollars in eight weeks. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that would not have happened guaranteed had David Osborne not said he was raising a hundred million. Because just like you, it like it inspires you, and you're like, oh, that's what's possible. Oh, okay, yeah, th- this is the level I need to play at now. Like, what would like, I? Always, I was I was joke about the WWJD bracelets people used to wear. I'm like WW uh, like D O uh, yeah D O D. What would David Osborne do? Yes. Yeah, like I think that a lot. Funny. Like what would David do in this situation? Because. Or what would Richard Branson do? What would Elon Musk do? It's like thinking of those people. But when when I joined that group, I was like, oh, I was able to see what David Osborne would do because he would talk about what he did. Uh, and with the Better Life Tribe now, like that, I'm trying to like not that I'm anywhere close to as cool as David Osborne, but like we do financial freedom calls every week where I do this financial freedom hour, and I'm like, I just want to like teach people things. Not that they're going to take what I taught them and go do it, but I just want them to get the mindset of what I've done so that they know that they can do it as well. Yes. Uh, And so if if I can serve as a David Osborne, inspirationally to people, then they can know like, oh, they can go raise money or they can go and start a podcast or they could write a book or whatever that thing is. So yes, joining those groups and being a part of tribes so valuable
0: yes success leaves clues S- success right? totally does and mm-hmm. a lot of people are not willing to make that investment and that's why i'm a big believer of investing in yourself Yeah. because you don't know who you're going to meet in those groups you don't know it, you might meet your business partner yep. there but investing in those groups it just sets also as i mentioned earlier the standard but you can also see where the future can be and it yeah. makes it like if you're in a group that everybody's a millionaire, I'm gonna become one, yep. whether I wasn't there yet, yep. right? And I know it took me six years to get to that. And I made decisions for me that, because net worth, you can't eat net worth, but you can eat cash flow. So yeah. I became, I wanted to first become financially free with cash flow and then going more for the net worth. But at the end of the day, it's the group that set that standard for me. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that it's just a matter of time. And if I did what they told me, then I would do it because that is the shortcut to success. A lot of people say there's no shortcut. I'm a big believer, you still have to put in the work and the effort to make it happen. But the shortcut is what took them 10 years, I can probably do it in five because they're gonna show me the lessons that they did or the mistakes that they did so that I don't have to go through them. And you can pay like that.
1: That's so true. So yeah. financial freedom through cash flow. Let's talk about that a little bit. That's a good mm-hmm. phrase. How did you get the cash flow to be able to have that financial freedom?
0: So I, there's a quote by, I think it's Dave Ramsey, right? There, I, I've studied a little bit of Dave Ramsey, but I'm more a Robert Kiyosaki yeah. fan. But he says, if you can live for two years like most people don't, you can live for the rest of your life like most people won't, yeah. right? Or can't. And so I decided that if I could live like a broke college kid, while making a $60,000 salary after graduating college and getting my job and everything, I was like that I would be okay. So I decided to try to house hack. So I'm living with roommates. Later, I did find a lender that could allow me to uh, give me a 5% conventional loan. So I lived with three roommates. When I was 24, I bought my first house hack and that living for free. And then that rent, the extra payment that I was getting from the rents pay for my car payment. And because I couldn't graduate with student loans or financial aid from that perspective, I didn't have student loans. That was a blessing in disguise that then later I could just save as much money as possible. And I remember having some friends saying, Diego, why are you living with roommates? Like you're making good money. You don't need this. Some people bought new cars because I got a job at GM and I bought a used Honda Civic. I was like, I'm okay. But I decided that If I could buy a home with low down payment, save as much as possible, I can do that process over and over again. Not many people think that you can get an owner occupant loan every year or every two years. So that's what I did. And then in that process, I began teaching my friends how to do it. So I began as a realtor, uh, there's two things here is I had to increase my income. right? You have to have a money machine in order for you to get to financial freedom faster. And me, that was being a realtor. That money machine helps you because you're not supposed to. the The whole idea here is that you don't have lifestyle creep, which I know is something that that you have talked about. Is that if you get sixty thousand, then you get an eighty thousand dollar like brand new salary, you're gonna spend that eighty that yep. twenty thousand difference. I'm like, no, use that to invest it, and uh, so that's what I did. I lived the same lifestyle that I had even though I went from making 60 to maybe 100, 150, because I had that desire of having financial freedom in the future and had delayed gratification. And I know me being a millennial, we want everything now, but you have to have that extra muscle of delayed gratification, and that's what I did. So I began investing through house hacking and I know you just had your last, uh, one of the last podcasts, there was a guy named, uh, he mentioned house hack hopping or something yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. And that's exactly what yeah. I did, right? So I went from one to the next, but in that process, I began to partner up with people. So I have around 60 some doors right now, but only three are in my name. Mm-hmm. The rest are partners, yep. either 50-50 or 33-33. And I began investing based on what my unfair advantage was at that time. I believe that everybody has an unfair advantage. It is up to us to find it, right? And it is time, There's unfair advantages are time, knowledge on the market, money, and then your network. So those four things. If you you have to find another partner that complements, it cannot have the same one because if not, you need another partner. So the idea here is that in the beginning, I had time, but no money. So, I called my buddy Pascal and I was like, Pascal, I bought this house. These are the returns. I don't have the money, but if we can rent by the room now here in Austin, we can cash flow so much. So, him and his dad allowed us to borrow money. And then I was the one that was being the boots on the ground in Austin. And so, we began buying houses so we can rent by the rooms. And then, in negotiating with Pascal as my partner, he had the money, I had the time and the knowledge now. And that's how we started growing the portfolio. Then later we sold some of the houses and I began buying in other states. And now I have some in some Airbnbs in the Smokies. I have some properties in Georgia and most are in Austin. So building a portfolio, but based on the uh, unfair advantages of my partners. And then here's the thing, what's cool is that your unfair advantage will change through time. Because in the beginning I had a lot of time and no money now I have the money and I want to dedicate my time to other things. So I just find partners that they can be the boots on the ground and they can leverage my money to make that work, right? But a lot of people are like, oh, I have no money. I cannot invest. I'm like, no, if you have an unfair advantage, you can partner up with somebody that has money. You just have to be of value.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful the way you put that. I really like that idea, the unfair advantage, because everyone does have something. They have something that they can bring to the table. And uh, one phrase I've been saying for years, and I'll say it again now, is 50% of a great deal is better than 100% of no deal. And so if you can find ways to partner up, I mean, technically I built my, whatever, 10,000 plus rental unit portfolio entirely off of partnerships. We just, today it's, you know, today I raise a fund of 200 investors, all pool their money together, and they end up getting 70 to 80% of the deal. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have 20% of a billion dollar portfolio than to have 100% of a million dollar portfolio, right? I'm still yes. coming out way ahead exactly. by partnering. And so, exactly. yeah, I love that concept.
0: It's like the, uh, do you want 100% of a grape? Yeah. One grape yeah. or a slice of a big watermelon, yeah, right? Exactly. I will take the watermelon any day. It yep. gives me more food and stuff. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's being able to just get a small chunk of, uh, of what a potential big deal will look like.
1: The other real benefit of the unfair advantage kind of concept is that, not only is it you're on a advantage, it's also something you probably enjoy doing more. Like you might enjoy the hustle part and putting the time in and being there. And you might not enjoy going out and raising money from your network or vice versa. You might enjoy going out to your network and, and be, that being your thing. And so when you can get multiple people in an organization doing their unfair advantage, their unique pro, you know, you, their unique ability, their thing that they're just like born to do and that they're perfectly designed to do. Not, now let's say there's three people and you're splitting it three ways for easy math. Yeah, you're only getting a third as much. But can you do three times more? You can do 300 times more. You know, like it's it's like you can do way more. So I would use the example of when we built Open Door Capital. My goal was 50 million dollars of real estate in three years. We ended up buying 300 million dollars of real estate. How do we how do we blow past it? Because I had the best guy in the world talking on investor relations, the best guy leading the group, the best assistant, the best this, the best this. And each person just stuck in their lane and did the thing that they were designed to do.
0: Yes, uh, it
1: just worked out. Have
0: really, you read really well. Have you read the book The Big Leap? I've not. Okay, the big leap talks about like the zone of incompetence, zone of competence, zone of excellence, and the zone of genius, right? The zone of genius is where you're the most comfortable, right, and being comfortable or being good is okay, but it's just okay, right? And the zone of excellence is what stops getting people, like they they get stuck in conformity. The best part is being in the zone of genius, Mm. where like you mentioned, you're, you're at your prime, you're producing the most, you're enjoying the most, and I feel like people just have to get over that hump of conforming yeah. and get into the zone of excellence, oh, zone of genius.
1: I'm going to read this book. I'm going to take a video of <laughs> of it <laughs> and, and say it thank you. you, and I'll send it to you in a week.
0: Perfect. Thank wow. you. Thank you. Good and good. then you can tell me, because you work very much in your zone of genius, because you can see it in your
1: Instagram and everything. I need to be better at it. But thank you. Of course. But I need to be better at it. That's what we've been saying. Yeah. There's things that Alex, there's things that you do that I can tell you're in your zone and you should be doing. And there's things that you're like, I this sucks. I don't want to do this right now. I'm like gets you out of that. My only complaint is I wish the things that were in my zone were more profitable. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Sometimes the things I'm really good at, I'm like, there's no money in this. This sucks. <laughs> there is a great, there's a great quote, and I think it's Warren Buffett said it was like, hey, I could have been passionate and my zone of genius basically is what he's saying. My zone of genius could have been being a high school science teacher. It just happens to be you know, value as stock investing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't choose that. It, the universe chose it for me. He, uh, basically, Buffett said that. And I, there is some value to that, like, like why are we all three of us lucky enough to have this weird passion to real estate investing? Like, we just happen to have that instead of like, man, I love underwater basket weaving. It's so mm-hmm. fun. Like, none of us had that habit. Now you got into and Alex. Obviously, you got into uh, photography and videography, and you're using that skill. But yeah, you're right. Some skills are more valuable than others. Yeah. So I have to quit. You're, (laughs) you're very valuable to me, man. Oh Uh, That's funny. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's, that's powerful stuff. That said, I'm curious your thoughts on this, Diego. Yeah. There are areas of your life where you have a zone of genius. Mm -hmm. Let's use Alex as an example. This is a great example. So Alex is very good at videography. He likes the creative side of stuff that doesn't maybe make a ton of money. I mean, it can make some, but you're not going to be a multi-multi-millionaire, billionaire off of that, unless you get good at another thing, which would be like entrepreneurship, business, whatever, to be able to use that skill set to mm-hmm. then grow. And so here's where I'm going with this question. Some people may use that as an excuse, I don't want to learn business or entrepreneurship because that's not my zone of genius. So I'm going to stick in my underwater basket weaving, you know, photography mm-hmm. business instead. Uh, so that's a very very Stop specific. Comparing my hot, my passion with <laughs> underwater basket, weaving. it's basically that's the same. Not thing. even a real thing. <laughs> no, awesome. it's underwater basket weaving photography. It's people who take pictures of people doing underwater basket weaving. Oh, so, man. how do you? Like how do you either, A, do you stay in your zone of genius or do you choose to go outside your comfort zone mm-hmm. to gain new skills and to gain a new zone of genius? When do you when do you know to leap? Does that make sense to yeah. get to a new zone?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's one thing is, and this goes again, I'm a big believer that once you reach financial freedom or you make money irrelevant, this is something that I learned from Adam Carroll, Once you make money irrelevant, you can choose any passion that you want, but not many people are willing to put the effort in the beginning to make it happen. Right, so, And I know that, for example, whenever the economy changes and stuff like that happens, a lot of people that maybe they had raised a lot of money during COVID times, uh, some deals went south with commercial, real estate, multifamily, whatever. Then what happens is like, then they have problems with their spouses too, their family, and they get divorced, whatever, right? But if everybody just had for a specific amount of time in their lives to, what can they do to make money irrelevant? And they just focus as an example, Mm -hmm. getting to $10,000 in passive income, you can get to do whatever you want if the economy crashes or whatever happens you still have your 10,000 in passive income you can still do whatever you want so there's two things you can either do a little bit of sacrificing right now to get to for you to get into a level of some passive income or like a business on the side knowing that It's just for a period of time, because if you think about it, you're going to go forever. You're going to be miserable. You're going to get depressed because you're like, oh, my gosh, I hate this. But if you just know that it's for two years or three years, it will make it much easier because you see that reward that you get to do the best photography ever in a couple of years. But you need to have some sort of sacrifice right now. Following your passions. Freaking awesome. The other thing would be like, if you're really good at that, which is more actively then. The main thing would be, can you find a business partner that can get you more clients Mm. potentially, right? That can get you clients that pay more. If you can take pictures of a millionaire, right? He can pay a little bit more than somebody taking, as an example, just headshots for, to get their first job to complete different people, right? But if you have money, it's irrelevant. You can choose that as you can choose to take pictures for people getting their first job, because it's your passion, yeah. and you can still do your zone of genius then. But first, you have to make money irrelevant.
1: Mm, that's a good answer, man. All right. So next segment of the show, I want to do something called fill in the blank. I'm going to read a statement mm-hmm. uh, with some blanks in it. I want you just to re- repair it back to me. Repeat back to me what I just said, but then fill in the blanks. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. And this segment is sponsored by the Better Life Tribe. You should sign up. Here we go. Success isn't blank. It's blank.
0: Success isn't money, is time freedom.
1: Mm, Beautiful, can you expand on that?
0: I believe that a lot of people, they define success in money, but money doesn't bring happiness. What money gives you is choices. and uh, But if you can have the time freedom to do what you want, you can pursue like whatever that is, as we were talking in your zone of genius. Uh, It gets you to places that you can really be yourself and uh, you can share it with your loved ones you can share it you can give we you can choose more of of service to others because you really want to not because you have to this is the same thing with with somebody like as a job if you love your job and you already have financial freedom that is amazing because you get to work you don't have to work mm. and that's what i mean by success is not money is time freedom
1: love it 75% of millennials rent they need to understand what?
0: 75% of millennials rent, they need to understand the power of being a homeowner because of these five things that I can share. Please on that. Wow. All right. So when you buy real estate, you get appreciation, right? On the property. So you get equity. If you buy an investment property, if you get your renters that pay down the mortgage. So it's not you you get some tax benefits as well of getting the tax deduction of property taxes, whatever. then there is depreciation. you get to depreciate the asset and I bet you oh and you get cash flow. there yeah. you go. So those are the five things that people miss and they think that it does take a little while, right? if you're just having a hundred bucks or 200 bucks per door but with the right strategy you can get it a lot more. You can do midterm rentals, short short-term rentals. but the main thing here is just getting to first base with just investing. Millennials, I feel like they don't, people take act, people don't take action or get stuck in analysis paralysis because they try to get a, hit a home run. I'm always like, just try to get to first base. Once you do that, you get experience, you get to know the right people, the network, and that becomes an easier way of continuing to take action.
1: Love it. The fastest way to financial freedom through real estate is probably
0: the fastest way to get into financial freedom in real estate faster uh, would be through a strategy other than just the long-term real estate investing is going to be through either co-living, short-term rentals, or mid-term rentals.
1: Can you explain those three? What's the difference?
0: Yeah. So co-living is basically renting by the room. So house hacking, you have to, especially right now where interest rates are so high, some people are, they are not buying real estate right now. Right. But I'm like, Okay, if you're not gonna be buying real estate right now, maybe you should maximize the cash flow right now of your properties. Yeah. And you can do that by, if you have a lease that is ending, you can analyze your numbers through renting by the room. Maybe even adding a room, right? So that's co living. You can do Airbnb short short term rentals if you're in an area that uh, you can look on AirDNA or a few other applications to see what that cash flow can be. Or midterm rentals, you can get, I believe that you can analyze deals on furnish finders and then uh, be able to see what that would be. But that is a way to maximize cash flow on properties.
1: Perfect. The biggest money myth I see is.
0: The biggest money myth I see is that people think that debt, all debt is bad and that is not true there is good debt and then there's bad debt you just have to learn how to play with money because at the end of the day we're in america it's a capitalist, whether you like it or not right it's a capitalistic society and you have to learn how to play the money game once you know how to play it uh you can be successful
1: perfect man love it good answers to those questions all right moving on next segment of the show we call it the Three, two, one, pivot. The idea is there's certain things in your life where you're going one direction and then something changes the direction of your life. It's a pivot moment. So we'll start with books. Three books that change the direction of your life.
0: Mm. All right. So I know the, I mentioned num- number one is Rich that Poor Dad. Someone changed my whole mindset. Think and Grow Rich was one of them too. And I would say How to Win Friends and Influence People. Those are the ones that I think if everybody reads, they will be super successful. But the one this year that was like, that changed a lot is the book um, Buying Your Time Back.
1: Mm, Yeah. Buy back your time, Dan right. Martell. Mm-hmm. Also, yes. a you had him on the podcast. Oh yeah, recent guest <clears throat> on the podcast episode. That was awesome. uh, I'm not sure what number, but it was awesome.
0: Yes, just the e- just implementing the way that he recommended your your email, like yeah. how you can have a VA to manage your email and put the categories or whatever. That was the one thing I implemented, and man, it becomes a lot easier.
1: Love it, love it. All right, two pivot people, two people that changed the direction in your life.
0: Yes, Adam Carroll. That was my first mentor. Met him in 2011. And he was the one that introduced me, continue to introduce me to the rich, that poor, that mindset. He had multiple quotes that I still use uh, to this day, but one of them is, for people that wanna buy a new car, the new car smell wears off, the new car payments don't. Mm. And that was one. And then another quote that I've lived my life with was build a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. And I heard that and it was been life-changing because build a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. It's been on creating experiences of things that I really wanna do, not the lifestyle, not the materialistic, right? Because materialistic stuff is gonna go away, right? And then it gets you stuck also on a job. People be like, oh, I cannot quit because I have a $700 car payment or a thousand bucks and a thousand bucks there, I'm paying rooms to go 500 a month because I wanted brand new furniture and all this other stuff. And then it stops them from like, hey, you want to travel here? You want to travel there? It gets them not be able to experience things that maybe for them is important, that for other people can be materialistic. And for me, investing in experiences have been the best thing, especially with my family, with my loved ones. One thing that I heard from Jim Rohn was that he mentioned that a lot of people think that you have time, right? And maybe you hang out like, hey, my parents, they're getting older, but they still have like 10 more years. so I have 10 years to do stuff with them. But if you see them only twice a year for the holidays, like Thanksgiving and Christmas, you don't have 10 years. You only have 20 times yeah. to see them again, to share those things, right? And it's more about how can you be present with them? Even if that's only two times that you have time to go see them, how can you be present, not be on your phone, be there, give them, make them, because everybody in the world wants to be loved, seen and understood, right? So if you can provide that for other people, Sorry, I know we just went on a tangent. Oh man, I love it. But I feel like investing in experiences where you can create that with people, it goes a lot further than trying to save money for a new iPhone every year when it comes to a new one. That for me, investing in experiences has been the best thing possible, and especially with other people. I rem- one one thing that I've done, and I've done a trip with my dad and one with my mom, just one on one. And it's one of those memories that I will carry forever just because of the conversations that we have there of just when we look back and we think about life. I just bought my condo in PR in Puerto Rico. I was with them and I was like, isn't it crazy? I bought this car, I bought this condo at age 32. At age 32, you guys were deciding if you guys wanted to leave and start again. And thankfully with their sacrifice and everything, of course, I've been able to now, have this condo and I get to enjoy it at the age that they were having one of the toughest decisions in in their lives, right? And being able to experience that with them was one of the most rewarding thing because it's right by the beach, oceanfront and everything. And that was one of those experiences that even though now it's a little bit more lifestyle, right? But it's the experience of being able to do what you really, what I really wanted, which was having a condo for my parents that they get to enjoy.
1: Ah, beautiful. Yes.
0: Yes. That right. was one thing, and then you mentioned it was just one yeah, quote, two right? Two pivot people. It oh, was, pivot people. Yeah. Yes, and the other one, go abundance, which we already, yeah, yeah. which we we already mentioned that one. But meeting David Osborne and them, those that has for me has been life changing.
1: Awesome. All right. What about a pivot quote? I know you said a few quotes today, so yes. do you have any new ones, or you can revisit one of them.
0: Well, so build a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. That for me changed my life, and but there's one from Jim Rohn, who says personal development will seldom exceed your level of success, right? Success is not something that you pursue. Success is something that you attract by the person you become. Mm. And that's why I'm a big believer in you becoming that person first, and then you get those rewards. But understanding that you have to work on your mindset. You have to schedule personal development in order for you to get, because tough times happen. I mean, I've had so many issues life happening and everything that i didn't know what was going to happen but if i with the right mindset i think that scheduling that personal development stuff can get you to do things that other people may say no and for them it might be like a mountain like so grandiose that i'm like oh my gosh i'll never get there but with enough obstacles you get to build a muscle that what for some people might be a mountain for me might just be a step yeah and it becomes because i've had so many obstacles and challenges that i'm like hey man it's easy, like it will be okay, right? But understanding too, that you have to be emotionally intelligent, that when you're talking to other people who have had certain issues, that you get to understand their feelings, right? Because you don't know if you, were, if you had their lives, you will do the same choices that they have done. Yeah. So you have to understand that too.
1: Awesome. All right, next segment, the past, present and future. So we're gonna start with the past. What is your advice to your younger self?
0: Advice to my younger self? be something that I heard from David Osborne is don't work for just money, work for equity or knowledge.
1: Mm. Equity or knowledge?
0: Work for equity of knowledge. I apply that into my life in so many different ways and it has paid tenfold.
1: Love it. What have you done in the past year that's given you a better life? Could be like a new tactic or habit or a thing you changed.
0: Yeah, I would say sticking to my values and partnering with the right people that I want to partner or ending relationships that I needed to end mm-hmm. because of values. But I feel like having those discussions within myself and my pursuit of fulfilling my, my own dreams and my own vision of what I want my life to be, I just have to stick to my core values.
1: What do you want your legacy to be? In other words, when you pass away someday, people are gonna say mm, that Diego, he was what?
0: Yes, I would say that Diego was a connector and that Diego always had other people in mind to help them out for a better future. He was a giver. He was somebody that that wanted the best for, for other people because he already had what he wanted inside him. Mm.
1: So good, man. All right. Well, what are you excited about in the future? What's coming up? I know you got a little you got a tribe. Tell us a little bit about your group. Yes. Uh, what yes. are you excited about?
0: So a lot of the things that in the journey. I'm a big believer that financial independence, right, is one of those things that once you achieve it, you get to you get to ask yourself different questions because then you're not doing anything for money. You're doing it because you really want to, right? And uh, so Phi Investors is a community that I have built in the last year. We have around 80 members and we help them achieve financial freedom. We have those discussions of investing in real estate, but also what happens once you get there, right? Because there's a lot of things, and it's funny because at the end of the day, with investing and everything, you will find that money, as I mentioned, doesn't give you happiness. There's something more inside of you. In Ecclesiastes, in the Bible, it talks a little bit about like, once you have everything, like he tried everything. I think it was Solomon or King David. I don't remember, but yeah, one yeah. of them, right? He had everything that yeah. he wanted under the sun, but what he needed was some, something inside of him, something mm, yeah. bigger than themselves right? And at the end of the day, I feel like whatever it is, money is just a tool, but you have to really find what you really want to be able to live the life of your dreams. And what we do with FI Investors is, yes, we help you achieve financial independence, but at the end of the day, it's getting you to what you really want to do in your future and your true mission in life. That's one of the things that I'm power- That I'm really happy that I get to do at FI Investors and help, help other people to become not only like, become that one person that changes the legacy of their life. I've been able, like me being an undocumented immigrant, like being without papers here, I'm a big believer that anybody can do it, especially I don't even have a green card or citizen. You just have to work your way through it. And so FI Investors for me is that community that helps people that may have other obstacles and stuff like that too, be able to achieve their dreams. So that's one thing that I'm working on. And then the other thing is next year, planning on writing my book. Oh, cool. And also working on a documentary with a movie producer that we're going to be calling it the Latin American dream. Mm. So it's going to be five people and we're going to share their journey on how they got here to the States and how they become badass entrepreneurs i
1: love it man yeah
0: to help out the community because at the end of the day that's what it's for
1: amazing all right well where do people connect with you at where do they find you and find out more about you
0: yes they can go to instagram at real diego corzo real diego corzo they can go to thefi and uh, we're doing some stuff for the new year. So if they go to go.defiinvestors.com slash 2024, they can download a lot of workbooks and toolkits to help them get to an amazing 2024.
1: Love it, man. Well, yes. I appreciate you. We'll put all those in the show notes. And, yes. uh, Man, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for coming on.
0: No, thank you. And hopefully when people, like if they see value in this podcast, send me a video on IG, random. I'm going to get like a hundred (laughs) videos. i listen to every single one. But uh, people just take action. That's that's what I want to do. But thank you very much for having me here.
1: You're the best. Thank you. And that is the show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brandon Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on the show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, Your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback. I look at the feedback. And we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, check out abetterlife.com slash best life. abetterlife.com slash best life. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.